Servus und herzlich willkommen to another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works flagship show. This is your Schnitzel, and I will be joined by my partner in crime, the one that completes this famous or rather infamous duo, Tom Adams, the one, the only, uh, one would argue, king of Bavarian Podcast Works and Football Works Twitter channel. He's the best at those tweets, some legendary tweets, some that we may document and even frame in our houses if the season of Bayern Munich goes in a certain way. How are you doing? You're wearing your Liverpool shirt and you're not looking very good despite Liverpool winning. Why is that so? Man, first off, I don't think I can top that intro. That German, since you've been living there, just rolled right off the tongue. Very, very well done. Like That caught me off guard, to be honest. And as you said, I don't look too, too hot. Um, we'll just leave it at, you know, I had to take Benadryl today for the first time in like years and I'm feeling the uh, fatigue side effect and like a little groggy. And I know you expressed your concern, my squinty eyes <laughs> <laughs> and my involuntary lip movements, but I'm very I mean, happy. I uh, mean, for once, on for once, it's not because Liverpool performed atrociously. So at least that is <laughs> a good positive, I guess. I mean, uh, it would be understandable if you looked so bad after a Liverpool like disaster, but now it was not the case because they did win 2-0 recently. But, so. but still, man, from a Bayern perspective, obviously, because this is a Bayern pod, still pretty furious about that Upamakano red card. I know I kind of went off on it on Twitter during the live tweet of the game against Minchin Gladbach and just, you know, I guess once a bogey team, always your bogey team. But, man, like that was – I know we'll get into it later, but I'm kind of with Nagelsmann there. I mean, Schnitzel, I, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but that for me is even a yellow for simulation. And not even a foul on Upa McConnell. You know, it just rubbed I me think, the wrong way. And I said, I think that set the tone. If that doesn't happen, that's a Bayern win. I think now that you mentioned it, it's actually a very good way to start the pod. I had another topic in mind, but it is very important. And honestly, I had the same opinion when I looked at the game uh, and not just the highlights in the game, but also the other angles that were showed all over social media and on YouTube. I think it was pretty clear that the only contact Upa McConnell had on Alessand player was on the shoulder. It was a very, very small nudge. And there was no contact with the legs whatsoever. I did not see his knee touch Alessand player, unlike what the commentators insinuated. I thought it was no contact below the waist. And player just, I think he tripped on himself or on the grass, I don't know, on the turf, whatever. And he just flew like five miles. He flew all the way to Munich and back. Like that was an incredible dive. I did not uh, think. Yeah, that as warranted. I had tweeted, I think there was the slightest touch from Ufamakano on the shoulder. Even Playa Play <laughs> took a heavy touch, realized he took a, a terrible touch, and that uh, Zamora was going to get to it. It almost like he looked like he regained his balance. And then decided he was going to hit the deck because the touch was too heavy. And then immediately upon hitting the deck, Just looked flailing. over to the referee. Yeah, and I like the fact that VAR still deemed that worthy of a foul and a red card was just a little bit concerning to me. So yeah, as most of us know, Nagelsmann went off on the officiating staff, and I mean he didn't really say anything too too negative. He's already apologized, so you know I don't so think he's really going to get fine there. But at yeah. least he didn't say something like uh, Jude Bellingham. Uh, on Felix Zweier saying true. this guy's, yeah. you know, got a past with that match fixing. So, of course, <laughs> the decision is going to go against us in Der Klassiker. 
I think I think Nagelsmann, in terms of uh, how he reacted itself, the anger behind you know his reaction was arguably justified because any coach would be angry if such a decision went against them, especially in a game against Gladbach, in what is a very very tight title race, one of the best we've seen like in forever. I have never seen three Bundesliga teams join first in the league in points so far into the season. We are in the Rukrunda and that's happening. And Bayern Munich was ahead by, I think, seven points before. And that lead has been cut short drastically because of all these games. And this is a very important game. Gladbach away. And you cannot get mistakes. You cannot let the refs influence games like this. And it is understandably so. But I'm not sure exactly what Nagelsmann said verbally. Like, do you know anything like on that part like did he say anything I, very I thought offensive? He said, yeah, I think he called them you know direct or uh, I should say dire- indirect German translation like a soft bunch quote okay. unquote uh, and uh, there was something else I remember it was floating around in our Slack channel and all around Twitter yesterday following the I think match, something know. to do with wimps or something like he called them wimps but uh yeah I, I think a soft bunch and wimps I mean I didn't I don't know I think if he wasn't like super verbally abusive or like if he didn't say anything that uh sort of attacked any of them uh personally I'm not sure he deserves any sort of punishment other than maybe just a warning from the DFB like I would think that they should not take this too seriously because we have seen coaches do way worse in games and they mm. get let off with a yellow card. So at most, this should be a yellow card offense. Like, give him a yellow card. That's okay. But, like, don't do anything too drastic because it doesn't make sense. Like, Nagelsmann's situation, and he apologized as well publicly. He apologized yeah. publicly and also on his social media. Very, very quickly, too. Very promptly, yes. And he and his apology looked heartfelt to me. Like, he was very sincere about it. And he said that he uh, acted in uh, a moment of weakness and that it was a reaction, reactionary response. So he completely agrees that it was out of line. And I think that is more than enough for this. I don't think it warrants any more. I, in- I guess if you want to look at this from a really, I guess what would be the word I'm looking for, from like a backed up perspective, Schnitzel, it's like of all results, as you mentioned, the three-way title race of all results, Schalke Nofia coming up with a near zero-zero draw against Union Berlin. So it could have been even worse. We could have dropped down to second Schnitzel. One hundred percent of all results, Union Berlin could not beat Schalke. So yeah, I mean, Schalke crazy things have happened, but <laughs> are, are that team? You know, they just pull off the craziest of surprises, and then before you know it, they go back to losing five 0 six 0 routinely to clubs. So they're very unpredictable like that, but. I think they are getting relegated. There's no two ways about it. I don't think it looks very good for them. And for some other clubs as well, like Bochum, I feel very sorry for them, but it really doesn't look nice. But that being said, I think that, firstly, this title race is one of the best we've ever seen because it's incredibly tight at the top. And I think there are legitimate contenders. And I know every time I, if any of us have this discussion, it's always like, oh, we spoke too soon because Bayern Munich in the next like five, six games, they show who they are. And before we know it, there's like a five, ten point difference between Bayern and the rest of the league. So that's how it usually goes. But Dortmund have had a perfect 2023 so far in the Bundesliga. And I think it's not getting enough attention. They have won every single game convincingly. They're dominating. They're playing very good attacking football. And they also managed to beat Chelsea 1-0 in the Champions League. 
which yeah. is given, yes, Chelsea's a dumpster fire and Graham <laughs> Potter has been nothing short of atrocious uh, since he's joined Chelsea. And they have sort of made the Avengers Assemble version of football. But all just that... Just to, to Southampton. Too. All that, yeah, all that to yeah. try and sort of get results in the conference league, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's like, I don't know what analogy I could use. It's like, I don't know, getting, getting a Ferrari or a, a McLaren for a, a local sort of <laughs> uh, dad, 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 dad's car race or something, like a, like a local street car race between dads, like, or I don't know, just any example of someone overdoing it for no reason, because Chelsea would be lucky to end up in the top half of the table towards the end of the season. That's how bad they look in the Premier League. And I think they're yet to convince with their new signings. Mikhailo Mudrik, I don't know what's been going on with him. He was tutored as the most promising uh, youngster since, uh, I don't know, young Ronaldo or young Messi. And he has not been performing up to standards. Enzo Fernandez really does not scream 100 million to me, despite him having a quality World Cup. And the rest of the... I don't even want to talk about it. You know, it's not worth it. Like the whole inflation of the transfer market and how people are just signing players for insane sums of money. But I well, mean, Schnitzel, said, even the uh, with the title race too. just looking at the schedule, Bayern, we still have another dare classicer. We still have uh, SC Freiburg twice now that we've drawn them in the quarterfinals of the day. Still uh, have yeah, to play them in the Bundesliga and still have to play news. RB Leipzig. Yeah, uh, there's still some tough matches left. Yeah, so what I'm saying is Dortmund is and doing Union incredibly Berlin, well. obviously next weekend too. Yeah, despite beating a lot of form Chelsea, Dortmund is still fantastic. And I think they are legit contenders this time because one thing they seem to have this season is seriousness. They're very passionate about it. And there are some difference makers like Adeyemi and Bellingham that perform like almost every single game. And I never thought yeah. I'd say this in my life ever, but Emery Chan is actually defending well. <laughs> like... <laughs> I do not know for the life of me what's gone into him. He is playing like a man possessed. So they are a threat. And I think Bayern should be concerned with every single point dropped. Oh, 100%. I mean, and like we saw in Gladbach, sometimes it's a little bit beyond our control. Yeah. I really, like, as we both agree, there's no way that should be a red card on Upamakano. And I can confidently say, I feel like if that doesn't happen with the attacking prowess we showed, even with 10 men, we scored two in goals. The game. Yeah, and yes. getting back yeah. into it. Uh, and yes, uh, Zammer did get, get quite peppered in either half. After yeah, he's a fraud, but he's not playing for Gladbach <laughs> <laughs> against Bayern. And it was, know? I remember tweeting about it. It was such a shame that Playa was involved in, uh, was it Turam's goal? No, um, Lars Stindl Hoffman's goal, I believe it yes. was. Yes, yep. Um, yeah, Jonas Hoffman. Like, it's just, I feel like he was kind of the pantomime villain, if you will, yes, getting Upamecano sent off incorrectly. And then I think if he doesn't get sent off, I would assume it would have been a routine victory. And, and mean, not only that, Schnitzel, just a player who's been playing so well for us, him and uh, Delict coming off of a, a very solid performance in Paris, you know, keeping the likes of Messi, Neymar, and then Mbappe after it came on at bay. And uh, even like aside from those three guys, I thought it was Mendez who was their most productive player on that night. Like he looked like a a force to be reckoned with, but you know he yeah. was going, going down that that right flank against uh, 
where Pavard was kind of positioned in that middle three. And then obviously Nagelsmann wanted to keep a threat for something Mendes, for PSG to worry about when he brought on Davies for Cancelo. Mendes had a solid game, but uh, Muziela absolutely burned him on many occasions. Like there is, I could make a highlight reel of how many times Muziela left Mendes in the dust. And I think that's not getting talked about enough. Yes, Mendes was good, but Muziela was incredible. And all those, I don't know why, but even after PSG losing against Bayern, you know, all these outlets like ESPN, they just trash on Bayern all the time. So it's just PSG highlights in a PSG versus Bayern game. And it's like half the time it's just Nuno's tricks and like a PSG's midfield despite Bayern bossing them. In fact, I would say PSG played anti-football. They park des buses or park des buts <laughs> you know, uh, in the game. <laughs> Instead of park are you trying to say the stadium yeah. or... No, I meant park the bus, but in French. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know the park French word bus. I remember. I think it, I don't know if it that was, was a play no on. Uh, that was a play on on the stadium. Yes, so you didn't get that part right. Yeah, and French so, is probably one language I would be terrible at. I mean, Blanc, yeah, Blanc de France. <laughs> That's as best as I could do. Uh, good enough. Good enough. I mean, for the English Tom. English yeah. are not uh, particularly known for their French pronunciation, so that's pretty impressive, I'd say. Uh, so. And Schnitzel, too. I, I think part of that is the allure of right. It's clear Mbappe did make a difference when he came on. Uh, I mean, it's weird. I don't know how. I've had many hamstring injuries in my life. I don't know how the hell you recover that quickly from a yeah, hamstring no, injury. You don't trust PSG. Just... You know, the same thing happened last season against Real Madrid. The exact same thing. They said Mbappe would be questionable, and then he just turns up. Like nothing happened. Yeah, he didn't PSG look like this... he was someone who was nursing a hamstring injury, and he went a full ninety today and scored a brace PSG... against uh, Lille in Ligue 1. I think they played. And, and not just that, they made everyone believe that Messi was also out. They said Messi was also suffering from an injury. He was having strains, and he didn't play the game the previous game. But I more or less expected all three of them, the attackers, to feature because it's just PSG, you know. I don't, and they had the audacity to stay. It is not our style. Retorting to well, yeah, and then even Neymar getting stretchered off today. Uh, oh, I don't know yeah. if it was like an ankle yeah, no, injury, but yeah, I, I guarantee. I mean, yeah. I don't. We don't know the extent of the injury now, but I guarantee he'll be he'll be there. Um, I I heard it was a metatarsal injury, which sounds bad, but I can't trust PSG anymore. I wouldn't bad be surprised from a Bayern standpoint and a Manuel Neuer standpoint. I but, wouldn't but, be surprised if they lied, honestly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know how you can fake a metatarsal injury and get a player back in two weeks, but if anyone can do that, it's PSG, you know? Oh, and, but uh, he got like, miraculously cured. <laughs> yeah, like Nagelsmann had said, though, it's like, we pre- will prepare as if they're going to be there in the big three, you know, Neymar, Mbappe, Messi. So that's, it doesn't really matter. Like, we're prepared for both options. And that's exactly Christophe Galtier, remember, Schnitzel, he had admitted recently, I think I wrote about it, actually, uh, he kind of made a point, you know, you don't know how much of this is true, how much he might be kind of bending the truth, but he admitted to coming into the game leg one with a very defensive uh, setup, trying to yep. keep our attack at bay because as much as those main three guys are some of the best attackers in Europe, you know, we have a pretty uh, prolific attack as well. Yes. And I think even uh, some players roasted the occasion. I mean, that was one of the better games I've, I've seen uh, Chupa Moteng play. I thought he deserved a goal. We came very close on a handful of occasions. Kings of Coman obviously got the goal, but very, very troublesome for I think um, P- PSG Musiala. 
because it, yeah, I think it was night and day. You know, he struggled a little bit against Gladbach with 10 men, but against yes. PSG, he was like, as you said, I his usual the, self, dribbling out of tight spaces, et cetera, et cetera. The Bayern attack and the Bayern midfield was successfully able to pin PSG in their own half for almost the entire game. That is absolutely true. But I also believe that, yes, we did not have Thomas Miller start, which is a problem I had against Nagelsmann because I think in Champions League games, Miller is a must. He is a must. Apologize for taking him off yesterday, too. Yeah, exactly. No, but yesterday was different because because it was one man down. So I can give that to him. You know, decisions need not go your way when you're a man down. You cannot. And he compensated with Cancelo, which I think made sense because Cancelo, he was quicker and he's a defender. So when you're a man down, you also want to be good at the defensive end. You don't want to ship in too many goals too quickly and not have and and face a massive uphill task. Which I mean, is I was a little bit fine. shocked he left Daily Blind on as much as he did, and then it was his like yeah no Daily Blind didn't have a good outing. Red to the uh, led to the third goal. Sorry for Gladbach. And he did not have just a good felt outing. Bad for him because yeah know, it went from Daily Blind is not quick. He is not a center back, and he did not look very comfortable playing in that role yesterday, despite the experience he has. And he's also quite old. So yeah. I think Nagelsmann needs to be really careful with giving him too much time because the priority should always be playing Delict and, uh, you know, Pavard or someone else who is available, but definitely uh, Blind as the third or fourth option, you know, after all those defenders. But yeah, coming back to the Thomas Miller point, uh, against Gladbach, it was understandable. But against PSG, no, because in Champions League games on big occasion, that's when he rises to the occasion. Like, when was the last time we have seen Thomas Miller in a massive Champions League game not on the team sheet? I think this was the first time after a very long time. I do not recall a game in previous years where Thomas Miller was available and completely fit and did not start the game for I mean, maybe only the dead rubber ones because in the past couple seasons, we've qualified already with matches to spare in the group stages. Yeah, exactly. Victoria in, and then even at one point a few seasons ago, Atletico Madrid. Believe it yes. or not, we had already gone through. Um, and then I think even like PSG back in the... Uh, we had already gone through in the group stages and played PSG. Yes, that's true. Like, that's true. But Müller has always that. started in every big game. But this was surprising. But that being said, I did, I did think that the Bayern attack gave a lot to be desired because Chupa Moting, yes, he's good. He's serviceable. But he is not it. And yes... That is exactly what he was bought to be. He is a stopgap option. But Bayern needs to seriously start looking for strikers in the market for the summer because we desperately need someone to put those chances to bed. Everyone in the box is just passing around. They're making extra passes. Nobody's confident enough to take a shot. The only one that's actually shooting is Joshua Kimmich. You know, it's kind of funny. Like he's sending in all those shots from outside the box. But the problem with that is the probability of the shots going in is low because of the distance. So we need someone to confidently take the shots. And Muziela can't always be that person because he also goes back to help with the defense, plays deeper in midfield and progresses the ball. And we also need him to pass. So unless Muziela can somehow assist his own goals, I don't see him, you know, sort of, I mean, he can't do it all. So we can't expect him to also finish every chance. So we need Zane, Gnabry and Chupamoting to step up and, Gnabry and Sane, Gnabry in particular, has been super disappointing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what it been. is. Ever the since the whole Paris debacle, it seems like he has not gotten back to the pace of it. Uh, yeah. Like yesterday, there's a lot of people commenting on social media saying he looked a few paces off of it. 
you know, always a step behind. Even when he came on uh, against uh, PSG, he came on, correct? I thought yes. he looked like a, a little bit of a step behind. Like, I, I don't know if it's maybe the internal disciplinary issues are affecting him or, or what, but... I think I've said uh, this a million times in the past. Gnabry is one of those players who can individually, like, by himself, just change the course of a game. And he can score, like, four or five goals, like he did against Tottenham, that wonderful, wonderful day, 7-2 victory with Nico Kovac. Yeah, he and is. And he a... can put a game to bed, but... He's also the very same kind of player who can go 10, 11 games on a stretch without a single goal, just infuriating, you know, just the epitome of inconsistency. And as a winger of Bayern, you cannot have that. You do not produce, you do not start. How do you argue against starting Kingsley Coman at this point of time, who has been incredible, and giving Gnabry any minutes? Yeah, I mean, I think it's clear Coman right now has been our most effective winger, whether it's as like one of those like high pressing, like wing backs, like when Nagelsmann likes to use a back three, if it's uh, if he's opposite the side of Cancelo or just ahead of Cancelo or just ahead of Davies, whatever it is, I think him, uh, Musiala, uh, Muller, when he's involved, have been far more productive than uh, Miroy Zane uh, and Serge Gnabry. Um, I, I just don't know what it is. And you're right. He is kind of one of those bizarre players for Bayern. I feel like I remember Chuck Smith of a, a BPW and BFW. I remember he was a big uh, advocate of the fact that Gnabry, after lockdown, had never looked at He is kind of just a player who can really turn it on just like all of a sudden. A lot of times when players are going through ruts, there's little nuanced things that'll happen where they finally start to grow back into form. But for him, I feel like it's just kind of like the snap of a finger and all of a sudden it'll happen. So I guess right now we're just kind of waiting that for that moment for him where, you know, whether it's a goal, an assist, or just a strong performance where the crowd really gets behind him. But I feel like that will come, and I hope it comes, obviously, sooner rather than later because we can't always be relying on, on Kingsley Coman. Obviously, it was unfortunate not to have him available against uh, Minchin Gladbach, but he's resumed training. Looks like he should be available for uh, Union Berlin, and then we have to worry about the second leg against PSG a little bit after that. But, yeah, and uh, there's that like, point... kind of was like forced to make rotations. I mean, you can't play the same guys every single day, especially when there's matches middle of the week, uh, four days later in the weekend. And then especially now that we're finally into the quarterfinals of the DFA Pokal for the first time in a couple of seasons. Yeah, and we face you know, that looming large. Yeah, like, exactly. Come on, man. Come on. Like, give me a break. Please don't do this. What, why is it that Bayern always gets the Bundesliga sides? We always get the tough sides. Freiburg yeah. is going to be a nightmare. Trust me when I say this. Especially oh, in the Pokal yes. game. It's a one-off. It's going to be miserable. A terrible, mm -hmm. terrible 90 minutes. And we need our best lineup out there. No questions asked. Yes. And honestly, Thomas Miller has to start. I would love to see Muziala and Koman start because that's how it looks like at this point in time. Zane and Gnabry are really not cutting it out for me. But if they sort of manage to turn this form around, maybe we could see something different. Which actually brings me to the next question. Before we analyze Freiburg as an opponent, we're going to have Sadio Mane and uh, Nuzair Mazraoui into the uh, in the fray very soon because they've already joined team training, I believe. And Mane has been working on the ball, which is crazy good for Bayern Munich. So what do you think happens to the lineup once these two integrate into the first team again? It is interesting because there's a few matches here, Schnitzel, before that second leg against PSG. 
So we have Union Berlin, which I think Nagelsmann, that was kind of the logic behind some of his rotations yesterday against Mitch and Gladbach, knowing how important that match against Union Berlin is going to be because it's a chance to gain that three-point gap on our direct rival right now that's just below us. Exactly. Um, I believe actually in third place now, technically, since Dortmund beat uh, Hertha today. And then, obviously, um, Union Berlin didn't beat Schalke. They they drew nil-nil. Yes. Uh, and then we have that one match in between uh, Union Berlin and PSG against uh, Stuttgart. So I think that might be kind of the point where... No, I'm not really too sure what the timetable looks like with Masrawi. He did just resume uh, training with the ball. I don't know if they're going to take every precaution because of the condition like they did with Alfonso Davies mm-hmm. when he had myocarditis. Obviously, yes. Masrawi was pericarditis. But I think it really begs the question... I think we'll get a really good indicator based off of how much or if at all he plays before that second leg against PSG. And that goes for both of them because the expectation is that Mane will be back for that uh, as well as Masrawi. But Masrawi, I would err more on the side of the caution because of what he's coming back from. Uh, and it's just the fact that Pavard won't be available for that second Yeah, leg. that sucks. But... On Messi. So Nagelsmann will really have to see Cancelo was a point of emphasis in taking him off because he didn't feel like PSG was being pinned back enough, and that's why he brought brought on Davies yes. to add that pace, the insurance policy. But but, but keep, that being said, I think, I think I mean I think Masrawi I think would get Bundesliga minutes, yes, uh, and maybe come on as a sub at some PSG. point during the PSG think, game. Yeah, I think Nogsman is just going to trust Cancelo more to slot in on that spot. I also um, think that's not going to be. Nagelsmann's going to do a Davies, Delict, Upamecano, Cancelo defense, mainly because also we seem to forget that Cancelo is a much better right back than he is a left back because he loves crossing with that foot of his. He loves using that right foot. And we know it's like a training ground practice whenever he goes, runs past a defender and sends a cross and it's almost always a goal. And he's done this so many times for Manchester City. It's been it's 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 normal everyday work for him. It's just a regular uh, thing. So, and and also I love the idea of both Davies and Cancelo attacking from both wings because they're both pacey fullbacks and they attack quite a lot, and that will help us pin PSG defense in their own half for another ninety minutes, which will be glorious. I would love to see that, and because PSG are not exactly the best at pressing, except maybe that approach where they just make Mbappe run and just supply balls to the top, which is pretty much what won Liverpool the Champions League in 2019. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that that being that, that that being said, I don't think that approach is gonna do too well, especially because if Upamecano and Delict have a similar game in the second leg, especially Upa, who would have to be massive, you know, he's really, really good, been in great form lately. We have a very good chance. But that that begs the question. I also think Goretzka is not really having a great time in midfield. What is your opinion on that? Like, yes, we did talk about the defense, but the midfield is very important as well as a second line in front of the defense. And Kimmich has been good, but Goretzka really hasn't been cutting it for me, especially in terms of his passing. So have you also noticed that lately? For me, with Goretzka and the overall landscape of Bayern's midfield, it's kind of an interesting question. 
while I do think there are a handful of Bayern Munich players that are underperforming, at least in sporadic spurts, like we already talked about Gnabry, we talked about Chapo Moting, uh, at times not being that central target man up front for us, even though that's exactly what his role is supposed to be uh, in the wake of Robert Lewandowski and being his backup uh, ever since we got him from Paris Saint-Germain um, at John Dillon's request <laughs> when he made that prediction. But with Goretzka, I mean, I feel like oftentimes when we're talking about Bayern's midfield, the central focus immediately goes to Joshua Kimmich, naturally so, as kind of like the metronome which does give uh, Goretzka a little bit more license to move a bit more freely. I think he gets a lot more involved in the tack. And as a result, Schnitzel, and now hear me out if you think this is sort of something that falls in line. So we, we, you and I have talked about spaces between the lines. You know, a lot of teams sit back very compact against Bayern, yes. especially the teams that are in the middle to lower ends of the Bundesliga table. And that's when it becomes very difficult to find any space between the lines and create enough space to create opportunities. You really have to be patient on the ball and off the ball. And, Just one hundred percent defenses. And I think when with Goretzka going up, you know he's less often that guy dropping back and getting in possession. So if we were to look at his progressive passes, passes per game stats, and things like that, I think Kimmich would just have way more because he's that guy who's dropping back a lot more and trying to create. Uh, from the back where I even noticed yesterday there's a lot of times uh, even before Upamakano was sent off like he's dropped all the way back right next to Delict or Upamakano, uh getting in possession and letting somebody else roam a little bit forward whether it's the wing backs and Davies and Cancelo or Benjamin Pavard if he ever plays as a right back but now obviously he's been playing more uh, on the right side of a back three with Julian Nagelsmann's system but I think because of that, Goretzka, it's a little bit harder for him to shine. And just looking at his goals and assists stats, too, he hasn't had, um, I guess in fantasy terms, what you would call an attacking return since the 6-1 win over uh, Werder Bremen, which was uh, one of our last matches before the break for the World Cup in November, followed by the winter pause. So I guess it's easy on the surface. It's easy to see or it's easy to kind of look at him and say he's not producing enough. Uh, and he's not as involved as he should be. But I think a lot of that, as I said, comes down to getting overshadowed by Kimmich. I don't think he's doing anything inherently wrong. I think maybe my one uh, point of stick, I guess, with him, if you will. I don't know why I just yeah. drew a blank <laughs> on. But like he will, he is that guy. He does a lot of uh, retributive fouling if he feels that he's fouled i think he does pick up a lot of like silly fouls sometimes being overly aggressive but yeah, i don't that... see anything wrong with this play and i think he's a great box-to-box midfielder and i guess i would just love to see him involved uh, on the goals and assists ends a, a, a little bit more but um you know it is I, so hard kimmick think... who almost never plays you know the energizer bunny as i've called him before yeah i on the contrary think that uh goretzka oh, let's hear has, this let's hear this has been known <laughs> for a lot of uh his contributions that are not goal contributions, so like uh, indirect contributions to the team and also off-the-ball contributions in terms of pressing, in terms of defensive work rate, which has been impeccable in uh, previous seasons, like 2020, 2021, especially the Champions League run when he was amazing with Thiago in midfield and also with Kimmich for an extended period. And in terms of having the the best hairline on the team too? Uh, Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Trey Young, 
from the NBA. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. If, what a bizarre haircut. If you shave it all hair, off at that point. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it looks like a bird's nest, but if that <laughs> nest was sort of ravaged <laughs> by a tornado or something, like it just Yeah. It's it's like it's a makeshift bird's nest, if you will. So, oh my god! Yeah, uh, let's not even go about the hair. That's not the that's not even the worst part of Goretzka at the moment. It's more something to do with his game, and I think his passing has regressed a lot, which I think is a serious problem. Like there was a time when his passing was so direct, so quick, and incisive, and right now he almost always loses the ball in midfield when he's trying to make a progressive pass. And he has this tendency to sort of make his challenges slightly mistimed or he just goes all in as well. So it's a problem because he almost always gets carded for it. And uh, like you mentioned, he loves being a tit-for-tat type player and loves going into all his challenges with all the physicality he has, which, you know, to a ref would look like, you know, he is doing a lot of damage because, I mean, look at his size. Yes, he is not probably the Goretzka we knew six months ago, but uh, he's still a considerably massive guy and uh, a gym buff as well. So if he goes in on a tackle on someone's legs, I'm pretty sure the ref wouldn't be too happy about it. So I think in that sense, his game has regressed. So it's not much to do with the Kimmich-Goretzka balance, but I think still remains. I think Goretzka really needs to up his game because... Grav uh Berch looked really, really, really good in his outing. And he was very silky with his moves. He progressed the ball quite well. I miss Sabitzer a lot because he was fantastic with Kimmich. And he's doing really well for United as well. You know, all those clean sheets they're keeping. I mean, there's a reason, you know. And obviously, I'll keep repping Sabitzer till the end of my days. But he is a very good player. And I think, I hope, rather, we don't regret, you know, sending him on a loan because we only have three midfielders. And if all three of them are struggling with form, there's not much we can do about it. I'll, I'll lodge this question to you, Schnitzel. Do you, how much of it do you think has to do with his uh, recurring like knee and thigh injury problems? Because let's, let's be honest, like his, his thigh issues have kept him out of a few matches this season. We all remember that uh, knee issue last season where he kind of uh, played through a pain barrier and a pain threshold in Der Klassiker and then missed a considerable spell for us and was out for a very, very long time. And a lot of times when I, I feel like if a player has a persistent issue like that, they maybe never quite seem uh, the same. I can I can just think of so many players. No, I agree like with you. That. Yes, And I don't know if you feel there's any kind of correlation between all the things you were describing that you're you're seeing need improvement from him. Uh, in with his injuries, I don't know if you feel. Do you feel that that has to do a lot to do with it, or do you think it's just no I far think... too removed from any any sort of like physical injuries that he may have had and not fully recovered from, or still might be slightly carrying? I think there is a possibility of a correlation. I really do believe that because pre injuries, I mean, it's always like he needs a spell where he gets consistent game time and then he regains his form and suddenly he's performing really well and then something unfortunate like an ankle injury or a knee injury happens and then he goes back to being the inconsistent Goretzka you know so I think it's more to do with injuries than anything else and it's sad whenever he tries to gain momentum that he regresses back but that being said I don't think this is like a major issue whatsoever I think he'll be back and uh, you know 
balling for Bayern very soon, hopefully, because if he doesn't, uh, Gravenberg is ready to take that spot away from him. So this Bayern side has a lot of depth, except the striker position. So they're doing pretty well uh, in that sense, in terms of squad depth. So I'd say it is a neck-for-neck battle with the other players. So Goretzka performs, or even Muziela could supplant him, you know, as an eight, because we've seen Nagelsmann do that before, to incorporate more wingers in the game. So you could have Muziala, Zane, Komon, uh, and Thomas Müller all starting if uh, Muziala plays in the, the midfield. So it's all up in the air. Goretzka needs to perform better. I will say, and... I will say though, I think one of his best performances of the season was against PSG. Um, and it yes. had come out that like that Nagelsmann is exactly. Was, uh, yep, he was almost more of like a six schnitzel too. And I, I know that Nagelsmann it had come out that he had tweaked. He like practice a lot of different like lineups specifically for that occasion, mm. almost like a three-one-three-three, three, if you kind of will. I know that's yes. like not really ever a thing. And he, <laughs> I thought he was phenomenal in that role, which we don't normally always see him in. Uh, it might have been specifically tailored for PSG, but like if he can like replicate that kind of role uh, against uh, attacking teams, you know, so that could be anyone in the Bundesliga as well. Union Berlin. Uh, Borussia Dortmund in the second installment of their Klasker, SC Freiburg, whether in the Pokal or Bundesliga, RB Leipzig, who we still have to play. Um, I am of yeah. the exact same opinion, actually. I think he was very good against PSG, but he was equally as atrocious against Gladbach, which is why I wasn't very happy with his role in the team. And I wanted, and I was happy with him being subbed off because he also had a yellow and it was getting iffy. So Nagelsmann's decisions were pretty you know, good on the contrary, which is our next point, conveniently, by the way, hmm. Nagelsmann's tactics. So I believe that he couldn't really do a lot about the Gladbach game and that yeah. his substitutions were actually fairly decent as opposed to what so many people are clamoring them to I be. I guess at. the one thing, I don't, we don't know. I'm not sure if Delict was carrying a bit of fatigue from PSG, but in my heart of hearts, he was kind of, I almost even... I don't remember. I think the camera might have just shown him warming up after the red card, and then he sat back down. But mm. yeah, leaving Blind on, um, like I, I knew that that was going to be a point of weakness, uh, and that maybe Delict should come on. I think maybe he would have provided some more stability. But attacking wise, I think the subs were right. I think we had to see Zane and Musiala at some point in the second half to add some, yes. some of a spark. Taking Muller off, as Nagelsmann has already apologized for, maybe not the right move, but at least getting those other guys but on. But I think he had to bring Cancelo on, though, because, yes, like he mentioned, Cancelo offers that pace. Cancelo offers that defensive ability. But could he is have... not exactly a defender. I yeah, agree I mean, that I he guess. could have taken another player off. But honestly, in that short stretch where I saw Thomas Miller play, he missed quite a lot of chances and his passing wasn't on point and agreed he might have contributed he could have but do we really know that if thomas miller had played we would have won the game was pretty close in the end surprisingly it was 3-2 and we could have somehow created another chance at the end and that might have ended up 3-3 and we would have been saying something completely different so I don't think Nagelsmann's tactics inherently are bad. Like in that situation, I wouldn't criticize him. In PSG, maybe I could have said that Thomas Müller would have started. You know, for me at least. So yeah, because he he, even in that like coming on as a sub, he seemed a bit quiet. I know the the narrative and the 
nuances of the game had like kind of changed by the time he came on, you know, Mbappe coming on like in such close proximity, it was very much a defensive shape that we kind of assumed at that point. Exactly. But um, Schnitzel, I guess to kind of, so to go in order, so what was it? Mainz, uh, yes. Bauckham, PSG. Gladbach. Uh, Gladbach. I mean, it seems like, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was that Mainz Day of Football call game where he just switched to the back three and has been using it uh, quite a lot since. And it seems like that's kind of been the stroke of change that's really, you know, it gives Cancelo that license to to bomb forward, to put in those crosses. He had, you know, first two appearances, first two assists. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Wolfsburg, we're forgetting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the the 4-2 that was in there. Um wouldn't yeah, say I, that it's strictly a back three though, because at the end of the day we are playing with four defenders, so it's not exactly. Are, but it's a like almost three. the way. I, yes. I guess it like really kind of depends on which match sheet you're looking at, uh, and your interpretations and like. Even yeah, you're I right. Think, even when it's I think what Nagelsmann four. is doing right now with the defense is similar to what Flick did with Benjamin Pavard in this in the center in the defense in 2019, 20, and 2021 when he played Benjamin Pavard. Upa Meccano and uh, Luca Hernandez in defense. And yeah. Davies would be that one player who would just like rush up as a, an extra winger, but that would leave these three inevitably at center back. Yeah. And that would be sort of a pseudo back three. I think it's very similar to what Nagelsmann's doing right now. But what I do not understand is Nagelsmann's setup in the Hinrunda towards the end, especially, was better than Flick's setup. It had more balance because he decided to play two attack-minded wing-backs all the time in a back four, which was Davies and Mazraoui. And that was phenomenal. We had It coincided with our best run of games. And then we come to the Rukrunda, and he overthinks everything, and he starts playing one attacking fullback at once on the pitch. I don't know why Cancelo is a substitute for Davies or vice versa. They both should be playing. One should attack on the right, one should attack on the left. That's how Bayern functions. Bayern is an attacking team. Yes, we may leave space, but that's exactly why Davies and Cancelo have pace. They can use it. That is the trump card that Bayern possesses. They have wing-backs that are incredibly quick as well. And when Mazraoui comes back, it'll be like having two Davies on the pitch, one on either side. And we've also seen it happen in the Bundesliga this season. So it's incredible the depth that Bayern has in the attacking wing-back positions. But they have to use it in a back four. And I just think this is a case of Nagelsmann overcomplicating things that already work for him. But that being said, he's a fantastic coach. And a win is a win against PSG. And we kept a clean sheet. Despite what people say, you know, PSG not being the PSG of old. When have PSG ever won the Champions League. They've never won it. Does that mean they're a terrible club? No, that doesn't mean they're a terrible club. In fact, on the contrary, they do have one of the world's best attacks. And let's not take the defense credit from where it is due. The defense was fantastic that game. They really yeah, stifled. Really. It was just that Messi. one big save on uh, Zamer from, was it Mbappe at the end or Neymar? Yes, it was Mbappe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that was a huge save, probably one of his best saves in a Bayern shirt. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, how I think many other big, big ones were there? Delict put in so many amazing tackles, so many well-timed tackles. Benjamin Pavard was very good in defense as well. So I think 
saying that Bayern won because PSG were poor is just taking a lot of credit away from Bayern itself and from Nagelsmann tactic. That's too unfair, in my opinion. Everyone except expected the game to be more balanced. Let's be honest. Everyone thought PSG would come in a more attacking setup. And Mbappe did feature the last 20 minutes. Despite all of that, Bayern still managed to grab a win and a clean sheet. And I think that needs to be applauded. And I guess you could say for the goal that was ruled off, marginal and lucky. Was still but, offside. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, the, we saw the semi-automated VAR at the World Cup. and if you know, Exactly. Yes. Was, yeah. That was the point I was trying to make. In the finals, I don't want to use the, the words like, a certain like the certain cheeks of a certain organ, <laughs> they were yeah. decisive in that result, and uh, it was a very fine line. And I'm not sure which player it was uh, exactly, but the player's backside ruled the goal offside. You know the placement of the backside of the player. So that was yeah. how fine the margin was. Argentina escaped. Barely. I mean, it's not as if Bayern's made. Making the rules, we're just playing by the rules that are given to us by UEFA, exactly, uh, and, and by the the video uh, assists. So we do not offside is offside. We did not pay a certain Victor Kasai to rule two offside goals and onside, and uh, win the Champions League for a certain club that I don't want to talk about right now. So yeah, we have been playing by the rules. We have always been a team that's you know about fair play, and we've always played the cards that we've been dealt with. And that being said. Bayern has been incredibly good in all three competitions this season. Yes, in the Bundesliga, we've lost points, but everyone's losing points. And the Bundesliga is one of the best iterations been in recent years. Every yes. team is stacked. Dortmund is amazing. Gladbach is Gladbach all the time with Bayern. I, don't, I think Bayern should start with 32 games a season in mind because the two games against Gladbach are ir- irrelevant, honestly, at this point. <laughs> we should start with considering them as losses. They're like the bogey team. We should just accept that, you know, death, taxes, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, PSG and City bottling in the Champions League and <laughs> Gladbach beating Bayern in the Bundesliga. <laughs> That's it for you. And it's like even even in the Hinrunde, like how well we played against them and still only got a 1-1 draw because the man who is now our number one keeper set a Bundesliga record. Like, go f- figure. It's always like FC Hollywood, I guess. Always a point of controversy with us and, and Gladbach, but... <laughs> Yeah, you're 100%. right. Just consider it a 32 match season. Yeah. You can still win it. You can still beat who's put in front of you, other than uh, Minchin Gladbach, and he could still win. <laughs> Coming back to the Nagelsmann point, he still has us alive in all three competitions. So, not a lot of criticism on that regard. So, I think he's doing what he can as a coach. I really love his coaching philosophy. We're playing really good attacking football. Can't really blame him for individual errors, though. A lot of the losses and the uh, Poor performances in recent weeks have been due to individual errors. I think it's fair to say that if Upa didn't get that red card, we all would be talking differently right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, I guess, what is your verdict on Nagelsmann overall? I'll just put the case to rest with your verdict, I guess. I think that any people who get on his back are a little bit, I think it has a tendency to be a little bit short-sighted. There's a lot of uh, moving parts on this FC Bayern team, and you're always going to be under the proverbial mic- microscope as manager of FC Bayern München. But, you know, I think he had the wherewithal to tweak these tactics. And let's not forget, too, we started. Well, I mean, I guess technically it wasn't the Rook Runda. I think there was still like a few Hinrunda matches mathematically. 
um, after the World Cup break and the winter pause. But let's not forget how we started. Three 1-1 one, one draws. I think it was Leipzig, Essekun, and then uh, Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt. Mm. Uh, and then he decided to make some tactical tweaks, and then we snapped that. Uh, 4-0 against Mainz, 4-2 against uh, Wolfsburg. Now I'm forgetting the order. <laughs> and then... Uh, That's okay. Uh, and PSG. Uh, and obviously not getting the result um, yesterday against Minchin Gladbach. But let's let's take a look and consider how many points would we have maybe dropped if he didn't make those tactical switches and, you know, try a back three system with, you know, those wing backs and, and getting more attackers on the pitch by using three center backs uh, and, and putting a lot more um, emphasis sure, on, on attack. Yeah, yeah. And, and keeping them pinned just as we had done against PSG for large portions, especially in the first half. So I think the opening 60 minutes, you know, anybody who was watching that would have to say that Bayern was the better team and, you know, deservedly one nil in front. Yep. So I agree with you. I think he's a fantastic coach. I know that. I also think, I think he's been almost sometimes a target on his back since he's so young. Compared yeah. To and he's also been dealing coaches. with so much controversy this season, so much outside noise, like yeah. background stuff going on with the Tapalovic situation with Manuel Neuer, a lot yep. of other things, Pavard's one leg out of the door. And I don't know, I, like it's, it's tough being a Bayern Boy, coach. Like, like literally just breaking his leg on holiday. Like, yeah. <laughs> holiday was like, its intention was to like, you know, a little bit of our yeah. rest and relaxation after the world cup and Germany, not doing well, not getting out of the group stages. And he just goes and breaks his leg. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're, we're not really talking about just your number one keeper. We're talking about one of the best keepers in the world, and you just exactly. have to swallow the pill that you are without him. And like Mane to long term injury, Luca Hernandez to long term injury, Masrawi to long term without injury. Lewandowski. Chupa Morting is your striker. You know, yeah. I mean, what are we even doing? Like Hernandez is out, um, uh, Sadio Mane was out, and a bunch of other players were injured, and they've returned back. Masrawi is still getting back to fitness. I mean, he's dealing with so many problems right now, and he's still doing well. So, I think we should just give him more time. And if he gets past PSG, I think that earns him another year in his contract. I, I oh, think it really does, regardless of what happens. I 100%. don't care if we lose the DFB Pokal and only win the Bundesliga. I do not care. It doesn't matter. If he gets past PSG, we should give him more time because we can't become the next Chelsea. Just sacking coaches like it's no tomorrow. Who are we going to get next? Zidane? He was carried by Noodle Hair Ronaldo and the best arguably the best CL team of all all time. And we saw what happens when he leaves Real Madrid. Like, he came back and it wasn't the same. He did not win anything and he was sacked. And then you had Ancelotti, who surprisingly won Real Madrid the Champions League. The coach was berated by us during his time here for his yeah, don't sort remind of me of unconventional coaching. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, it was I needed to do that. Why a better time that? here. Yes, but <laughs> I I try my best to sort of slip in those victories whenever possible. So that you yeah, and so. I have to get ready for them probably giving giving Liverpool a whooping on Tuesday. All yeah, man, good luck. Backing, <laughs> backing my Reds, you know, Anfield is Anfield, but I mean the misery is real. <laughs> Yeah, I feel sad for you because Darwin Nunez is your striker. I mean, we're talking about Chupo Morting. Imagine Liverpool fans, you know, like, I don't know, man. That is a different level of hurt right there. You know? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think on current, uh, you would take the Gladbach result out of it. Power rankings on current form. I mean, I think a lot of people who are actually paying attention 
to the Champions League and uh, the Bundesliga, they've got Bayern up there. Yeah, like think of think of the uh, the draws, the amount of like uh, you know power teams that are going to have to be eliminated, other than PSG or Bayern, right? Like Real Madrid or Liverpool, Chelsea or, or Borussia Dortmund. Exactly. What are some What are some other ones? Uh, Dude, Napoli. Yeah, I mean they've been phenomenal. They are hey, like a the dark team, horse for winning it all. They had the, they're not even too many points off of clinching the Scudetto. I don't exactly. Think. And I think they're a dark horse for winning it all in the Champions League. They've been incredible this season, you know? So Who do they have? Uh, They have Eintracht Frankfurt. Very doable draw for them, but I actually think it's not going to be that easy, contrary to what everyone else thinks. I think Eintracht is going to give them two really good games. That's going to be good, man. Kamada, Kolo Moani, Kovac Grialia. Yes. Uh, Uh, You murdered that name. (laughs) Simeone. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Mario. I hope he's not listening. So many of my favorite favorite players to watch. I do. I love, I've long since rooted for Napoli. And uh, if you remember uh, Murtio Sari's last season as their manager, yes. Very close to beating Juventus. Yep. Yep. The Scudetto. Um, But yeah, it's 100% their year, unless there's some kind of like matchmaking scandal, points deduction, as there often seems to be in Serie A. Or mm. funny else how happens. funny how that never happened to Chelsea in the Premier League, but we'll see. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, Bayern's got to be in the top three for Fulham. absolutely. Especially now absolutely. that they're one nil up. I know there's no such thing as away goals anymore, but having won one nil at you know in Paris, Mbappe's gone on about all this. Oh, we've won at Bayern before. You know, yeah, it was Geisterspiele, so it's a lot different buddy you know <laughs> yeah and, and he uh, he still said something like oh we'll turn up uh a second leg and we'll uh get the win or some something like that i mean good luck you know you can yeah. try yeah i mean, I mean I'm, I'm going into that second leg very very full of confidence and yeah it's actually how we exactly so much exactly time contrary to what everyone else believes i think we might perform better in the second leg even based on the straightaway facts that we're going to have Sadio Mane back. Sadio yeah. Mane is Mr. Champions League, and you know that very well, more than anyone. He is. He is. Yes. And he's just, it's another threat, another pacey player. Uh, like, just think of, you know, you, everyone's he's like so Mbappe, clutch. Neymar. Okay, Mbappe, Neymar, uh, Messi. How many of those guys are going to work back defensively? Kingsley Coman, Serge Gnabry, Sadio Mane, Leroy Zane. Thomas Muller, have you seen those guys work defensively in track exactly. back? Yes, you yes. have. The, I think those first three aren't going to do anything. Like, yeah, okay, we'll worry, and we'll have to keep those three guys at bay, but you'll also have to do the same, and they're going to work defensively too. So you've got problems to worry about too. They should be Absolutely. just as nervous as us if there's Thank any you. really pessimistic Bayern fans out there. Exactly. And especially oh, no, at the our Alianza season is Arena. over in January. <laughs> Oh my God! Let's sack the coach before he makes us play more anti football. Yes, I mean. Yeah, look at it contextually. We are in all three competitions, still in front because of our goal difference. Exactly. Got a little bit lucky with Schalke Nofia helping us out a little bit, but you know what? It's not our fault. Union Berlin couldn't take care of business against them, uh, just <laughs> as we had done earlier this season. It happens. Um, wow. And we still get to play them at home, so we can create that three point gap. Uh, over Union Berlin, uh, obviously next weekend if we get uh, a result. I think that one's Sunday at eleven thirty Schnitzel my yes. time. So yeah, yep. the late kickoff on Sunday, um, just uh, a week from today. But 
yeah, go glasses half full. There's no reason to be uh, skeptical here. And especially with yesterday, Gladbach, no, if there's no red card, that result's different. A hundred percent. I don't have any doubt in my mind saying that. So be hopeful uh, and I think enjoy, enjoy this ride. There you have it, guys. You have the take-home message. What a beautiful, beautiful way to end the podcast. Uh, really, really good emotions here. And it's a pleasure doing a podcast with Tom because we both bring this positive energy to the podcast that usually isn't the case with <laughs> some other people that I wouldn't talk about at this point yeah. in time. But uh, yes, that is why I'm pretty sure you guys also enjoyed the podcast because sometimes it is good to have a positive outlook to the club's approach, to the club's standings and to the club's future. Because yes, we can criticize and we can pick at every single mistake that we make and reveal at every single loss. But at the same time, it is a good time to be a Bayern fan. Like we are doing well in all three competitions. We are in a very, very good place in the Champions League and we have good chances of progression. So until we're actually in a very, very terrible spot, I think we need to also hold on to the optimism and stop being chicken littles. If I <laughs> so on that bright note, thank you so much for listening to us ramble about for close to an hour. And thanks a lot to Tom for joining me. This was fantastic. And yes, I really yes. hope this duo always can get on a podcast very soon again, because it's always a pleasure to be on the pod with you. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Feel free to like, share, rate, subscribe, and show us your support on whatever podcasting platform you use, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Megaphone, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know how many there are. Also, special message to the aliens. Keep sending your feedback in the form of burner accounts on the Bavarian Football Works website. I mean, those burners might as well be Chuck or someone else. You never know, but... I mean, if it is the aliens, we'll try our best to decipher them using John Dylan's talents of, you know, using his language skills. Yes. And uh, uh, if there is uh, any sort of feedback, any positive uh, uh, things that you found or any constructive criticism that you want to give, also feel free to reach us uh, at the Twitter handle at FBWorks, or make sure to also check out our articles and leave your comments in there. And we have a great host of writers and authors who curate a lot of amazing content for you on a regular basis. And we get you Bundesliga and World Football coverage regularly. So make sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Football Works. And I think I've covered all bases here. Thank you all for listening once again. Uh, make sure to listen to our next podcast. And until then, vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen.